and welcome to Sightless Fun, a podcast about board game accessibility for people who are blind and vision impaired. My name is Jed, and with me is Ertai. We are both uh, blessed with the life experience of RP, retinitis pigmentosa. No, that is not a Harry Potter spell. It is a real degenerative condition of the retina. I am a middle-aged Australian, public servant, and avid board gamer, or tabletop gamer of all sorts, really. And Ertai? Thanks, Jed. Hi, I am Ertai, and I come from Macedonia. Macedonia is a little country located in the heart of the Balkans, for those of you who don't know. As Jed said... I also have RP, and I'm a legally blind software engineer, also the creator of the Sightless Farm blog. I recently got more involved with board games and board game accessibility, so I hope to share my passion with other blind and visually impaired people, as it's a great hobby to replace something like uh, video games. Uh, so for those that don't know when we when we say RP we are referring to a condition called retinitis pigmentosa which is not its full medical name if I'm not mistaken it is still a shorthand form of it uh, the nature of the condition is that your retina dies at an accelerated rate across the course of your life that is it is a degenerative disease of the retina you standard progression is that you lose your night sight and your low light vision, followed by your peripheral vision, and then finally your central vision. This means that in conditions of low light, you will find it difficult or even impossible to see. Uh, then with peripheral vision, you can't see things out to the sides. Uh, you may also experience your, your ability to distinguish colors diminishes, uh, which is certainly something I have found. For example, yellow and white, blue and green, um, red, pink, maybe. it's They become difficult to distinguish if they're sitting side by side. So, and, and when I say, I should point out also when I talk about low light, I think it's important to note that what someone who is vision impaired means by low light and what someone who is sighted means by low light can be very, very different uh, in the... Uh, an environment that someone who is sighted might say, oh, it's, it's, there's, there's quite a lot of light in here. That may not be the case for someone with, uh, with vision impairment that is impacting their ability to perceive uh, objects or perceive anything in, in conditions where there isn't as much light uh, as, say, natural sunlight. So, do you have anything to add to that, Ertai? Uh, sorry, Ertai, I should say. <laughs> Ertai, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to touch on the light part that you said. Like, uh, my left eye, I've started losing my central vision. Well, I've pretty much lost it by now. I, I can't really read or um, distinguish uh, text with that eye. It's like looking through an ice cube. And I notice that when I close my right eye, it's like the light in the room dims like someone turns off the lights a bit uh i can in real time i can dim and brighten the light just by opening and closing my right eye that's i mean it's just it's it's a weird experience 
you know, I, it's a really weird experience, vision loss, because especially when you have a, a degenerative condition is that you can remember a time when you could do things and uh, video games is a very good example of that for, for, for me uh, as, as well as you in the sense that, I mean, I've just the other day I reinstalled SimCity 2000, which was awesome, and I booted it up and I started playing or tried to play and I... It's just not how I remembered it because I used to be able to play it and now it's a real challenge. What can you do? What's What are ways that you can implement changes or do things to be able to enjoy the pastimes you currently have or are interested in getting into? I mean, with and, and, and we should say in terms of in terms of gaming, like what was it about board games that drew you to board games like why how did how did you end up there yeah so i ended up uh in board games well it was by accident uh my uh, my brother was just uh watching a video it was not a video it was actually a stream of secret hitler being played and i just saw him um <laughs> laughing all the time and just decided to check what he was looking uh what he was looking at and i decided to do a bit of research on the game i saw that there was a free print and play oh hey this sounds like fun let's try it out it was quite cheap to print it here in macedonia like cost me around five euros to print it in color and everything and i just had a few mates over who tried it out and fast forward 60 games or so we were hooked up like meeting like two to three times a week uh, because it was new to everyone we don't have a board gaming culture in my town like it's it's macedonia is as small as a country like only two million my town is like what uh, 30 to 40 thousand and uh, board game there's almost no board game culture so it was new to everyone and the social interaction factor was what uh, made me love the hobby in a way and i think that's that's like one of the biggest for me one of the biggest positives of board gaming for for people who are blind or vision impaired or any person with disability because you know uh, there there is there is a higher level of social isolation among people with disability and board gaming, tabletop gaming is inherently a social activity. So if you are interested in it or you get into it, you are not just having this enjoyable pastime, playing games, what have you, but you're also having social interaction with a variety of other people, people who maybe you never You've never met them before. You meet you meet new people through this hobby, so I think it's a really, really good in 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 that regard as well. And it's certainly something that you can do, uh, and that's in your posts on Sightless Fun. This is something you've covered, and something we will be talking about in this podcast about board game. You know what board games are the most accessible, and what games how how can we improve their accessibility? I mean, it's. It's just something that's it's always on your mind, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's it's good. I like it. It's enjoyable. So, Secret Hitler was your sort of first modern game. Do you have any memories of, of board games from years gone by? You know, 
that that um, sixteen-hour game of Monopoly, or I think the first uh, board game that I ever played was backgammon uh, with my grandfather. I think I was like four or five. I know he was teaching it to me because he didn't have anyone else to play with. I guess no, uh, my dad or my uncle weren't too keen or were just too busy, so he needed to find. Basically, he was looking for a group. I guess when you have no people to play with, a four-year-old kid is better than no one or just playing solo. <laughs> it's, it's it's actually funny. My one of one of my brothers has, has just been learning backgammon recently, which is interesting. And another game that I remember, like. Uh, more vividly, let's say, is a game called uh, Don't Be Angry Buddy. Uh, that, that's the literal translation. I think the uh, game is German. We'll probably post it, post a link to it in the show notes. And uh, in that game, basically, uh, you can, I think it was played up to four people, but could easily be extended to more. Each player has four pawns that are parked. And when it's your turn, you need to roll a d6. And if you roll a 6, you can take one of your pawns out to the track. You need to do a lap and then park the... Uh, now now you're explaining that game. I know I'd, um, I'd, I've never heard of it before, but now you're explaining it. Um, that, I believe, well, one of the names at least goes by over here is Trouble. Um it's very frustrating. And you can also... <laughs> uh, it's very simple. And you can also knock other pawns of other players and return them back to their parking spot where they yeah, need if to... you land on top yeah, of them. Yeah, where you, they need to roll six yeah, again to get yeah. them out. But yeah. the problem with the, <laughs> that game was if you can't roll a six and someone else like gets all their pawns out and finishes the game, <laughs> you might be stuck uh, with... Forever. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember playing that, uh, playing that with my grandma, actually. Actually, when we were kids, we used to play. It's just one of those games that uh, you. It, it, I, it, I don't miss them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for that, we can all be thankful that we, you know, we have the modern games that are, that have been developed and have been absolutely thriving over the past. Well, we could probably even push it out for two decades now. Certainly, the last ten years, uh, with with. The amount of companies, the amount of games that are produced every year, but also the amount of um, awareness around gaming and games or tabletop gaming and games from YouTube series and uh, channels and podcasts and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and what about you? What was your first game that you remember? Well, you have you have mentioned Trouble, so I do, do admit to, to remembering that, but I, 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 it's difficult to say. I mean, certainly as everyone in the West did. We played Monopoly, but prior, I think probably even before that, I learned to play crib. Uh, my grandparents were crib players, mum was crib player, and I don't think I've ever beaten my mother at crib. <laughs> I, I'm not a particularly good player, but I am a particularly good player of hearts, so if you, you know how to play. Um, but, but my family has always been quite big on board games, so we... You know, of course, we had Monopoly. We had another game called Rail Baron, which was by Avalon Hill, which was basically the same as Monopoly, except longer. Yes, it is possible. Uh, we never finished a game. That's how long it is. So yeah, we, we never finished a game. It was, it was that long. We had 
uh, dad bought a game way back in the day called Kingmaker, uh, which is a War of the Roses game, which actually has, as far as War of the Roses games, has a pretty decent rating on Board Game Geek. Um, and then the other staple was, well, a, lo- a lot of trick-taking games. But a staple of our, our gaming as, as a family was a game called Ming, which I believe is, is out of print at the moment, uh, but that was only... Um, you know, uh, maybe five years ago it was still in print, I think. Certainly ten, it was still in print. I'd really like to get a copy. It's a, I, I, To call it a card game version of Mahjong is, is not quite accurate, but it's, it's about as close as I can get to describing it. It uh, uses the same suits and, and honor cards as Mahjong. So quite a, quite a lot of you know, variety of different games, you know, card games and, and uh, board games and so on and so forth. So from from there, it's kind of... You know, I've always been into all things gaming, so there's been that. Computer games, I tabletop war gaming that was introduced to when I was twelve and tabletop role playing games when I was thirteen. So it's you know, it's almost been twenty years since the sorry, third yeah, so it's it's um getting getting close to twenty years of, of both of those. Um not quite yet, but we're getting there. So and thankfully a lot you know, a lot of a lot of that I'm still able to enjoy now as my side deteriorates, particularly um, role-playing games. But as we'll discuss, also a lot of board games, which is fantastic. Okay, so tell me, Atai, what inspired you to do Sightless Fun? Yeah, so I think I've had the idea for over a year now that I wanted to start a website to talk about my hobbies, the hob- new hobbies that I started doing uh, recently uh, after my site was starting to go bad and things that I had to, uh, new hobbies that I had to replace the old ones with. And when I got into board games, I uh, ran into this uh, website called Meeple Like Us. Uh, they do accessibility analysis on board games. And it was at the time when I was also working on an app to make Secret Hitler, a party game, accessible for the blind because I was struggling with the game and really wanted to keep playing it with my friends. So after seeing Michael's work on the website and uh, his wife as well, I thought that I could contribute by sharing my thoughts on visual accessibility in games and provide like solutions on how to make uh, some of the games that I had more accessible and uh, things that I modify or some ideas on how I play games blind, basically. Even though I still have some site left, I pretty much play most games blind. Hmm. And and I've noticed that on your on the on the reviews that have been put up, we've made sure to link to the Meeple Like Us accessibility takedown for the game in question, which is a really you know another really good resource for for people to have a read of. And it doesn't it just it doesn't just cover vision impairment, uh, but also uh, cognitive and and other um, you know other accessibility issues. Are there any closing remarks you want to make, Ertai? I hope that more visually impaired and blind people get introduced to this hobby 
by their sighted people. So if you are a sighted person and listening to this podcast, if you have a blind friend or a visually impaired friend, there are plenty of games that they can play. And yeah, I think it's a perfect hobby to replay something like video games that uh, blind people usually can do. There are certain audio games out there, but uh, yeah, this is a different experience. Like the social interaction is what makes it great. Mm. Awesome. Well, that is all from us for this brief introduction on who we are, what Sightless Fun is about, and what Hopefully you, you get a bit of an idea there of, of some of the things we're going to be talking, obviously focused on board games, but I'm sure we'll cover a, a wide range of enjoyable activities that people who are blind or vision impaired can get up to and and how it can all work together and, and, and it will enjoy these uh, these various hobbies. So we hope you will join us listening along, reading the posts that we put up, uh, reviews and other sort of informative posts this episode was hosted by Jed Alexander and Otay Shashko our episode editor is Alpai Shashko we'd also like to extend a special thank you to Fighting Windmills for allowing us to use their music in our podcast you can find them at fightingwindmillsmk.bandcamp.com.